on the property experience, our hosts Zarko Jokic and Anna Porter will take you behind the curtain of the property market Australia-wide. Welcome to another edition of the Property Experience. And as usual on the Property Experience, it's all about surrounding yourself with the smartest people you we can get. And one of those smart people is with me today in terms of Craig Foreman from Kane Financial. Welcome, Craig. Thanks, Zarko. Nice to be here. And my co-host today is Steve Polisi from Suburbanite. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Zarko. Now, today we're talking about the diversity in our society. We live in a very diverse society, and we also live in a diverse society in terms of lending. Once upon a time, lenders expected everyone to fit into the same box, and and you only got a home loan or any type of loan for that matter if you were what was called a prime borrower. You had to be a prime borrower to get a loan. Those days are changed. There is now a solution for every borrower. And today we are talking all about solution-based lending. So, so Craig, if I can start with you today, what are some of the scenarios where solution-based lending comes into play? Great. So, okay, look, certainly a lot of this uh, gets down to um, self-employed people okay. um, who might not have their full two years financial statements and tax returns. Yes. Um, and otherwise, clients that have different circumstances, whether a lot of their income might be based on commission, overtime, bonuses, etc. So not your vanilla PAYG or, or you know having a pay slip to provide. And is income the only parameter where solution-based lending would come into play or are there other factors that may require a borrower to look at some solutions they may not have considered before they sat down with someone like yourself. You know, it's interesting in this current times as well, turnaround times have become actually one of the key factors in lending. Some of the banks at the moment have turnaround times of up to 30 days to assess a loan, where you've got other lenders that might be able to provide a solution within two days. Now, we all know if your settlement is coming near, you don't have time to wait 30 days. And, and often the quickest solution or best solution is a quicker turnaround time, despite the rate possibly being higher than a, than a traditional lender. Okay, so we've got income, we've got turnaround times. Any other factors that may require someone to look at a solution other than the the regular vanilla solutions you mentioned before? Yeah, I guess the other aspect is the amount of cash they might have available. So okay. in terms of the deposit um, they can put down, yes. um, traditional lenders want a full 20% deposit without paying mortgage insurance. We do have some lenders now that will allow a 10% deposit okay. without mortgage insurance. Yes. So that borrower who might not have a bigger deposit yes. but still want to get into the property market is able to without too much of a penalty. And Craig, you're a busy man. You go from place to place helping people along the way. How many of your clients currently sit in the vanilla box and how many sit outside the vanilla box? Times have changed. Everyone used to be vanilla. Now there's no such thing as a vanilla, in my opinion. So the more special lenders have become actually mainstream for me. Um, And a lot of those more traditional specialist lenders are now competing with oh. the, the um, traditional high street lender yes. in terms of policy and price as well. So they're challenging the status quo as a hundred percent. They actually have prime products. Yes. But where the beauty is if it doesn't fit the prime product, they allow it to shift down to meet one of their near prime or specialist products if required. Okay. 
very valuable. Yes, it is. Yes. And Steve, in your experience dealing with um, consumers on a daily basis, are you seeing that trend as well? Yeah, there's there's a lot more options out there. So like you used to see the big four five years ago, 90% of the time. Now I'm probably seeing them one in five. So okay. there, there's a big shift in that, that space. Like you said, the, the lenders as well have different options as well. So I, I wouldn't want to be a broker at this point in time. There's just too many options to choose from. <laughs> so I think the key thing there is get the right person to give you a rundown of those options. And that's where people like Craig come in. So someone comes to you, they have in their mind, I've got to fit a certain box. How do you take them through that process to, I suppose, alleviate the concern that am I damaged goods because I can't get a loan with lender X? Yeah, look, at the moment, I think it's a case of um, you will always get a loan. It just depends on how much you're prepared to pay to get that loan. Okay. So as you said, or you know, there's the, the cheapest rate on the market, mm. but that's not necessarily going to appeal or apply to everyone in the market. Yeah. There are options for people that might have uh, discharge bankruptcies or have had issues in the past. Yes. They can still get loans. Yes. It just might mean going to a second tier or alternative specialist lender, and you might end up paying a little bit more for the privilege, but you will get a loan. And, it, and it's not just the discharge um, bankrupts who um, feel in this space. It's even the frequency of income, Absolutely, I absolutely. As I mentioned, I guess, before, it's, it's um, people with um, lumpy income, commissions, okay. bonuses, overtime, um, a lot of essential services. Yes. Um, but I guess we see most of the um, specialists ending in the self-employed space. Okay. And that's just simply a case of people not having done their tax returns or financials, um, or they've been self-employed for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, and that's where we can look at the more specialist product. And what about people who are engaged in what has been termed the gig economy, where, you know, they get paid um, based on jobs they do, um, you know, could be through Airtask or could be through Uber Eats, could be through a myriad of things. Yeah. Are they that type of lumpy person you talked yeah, about they, before? Yeah, they are. The banks would generally consider those as self-employed people okay. and they fit into the self-employed box because they don't actually get a set pay slip. Yes. So the ideal there is for a bank to look at tax returns. Yeah. Now, in this case, because they might not have a tax return, yeah. a bank can look at three other alternative forms of verification. Yes. That could be something like an accountant's declaration Mm -hmm. to confirm income. It could be their BAS. Yes. Or it could be a bank statement for up to six months, which confirm that income coming in on a regular basis. Those are forms of verification banks will use to show income. So six months worth of bank statements can show that consistency of those monies being received on a regular basis, regular time, regular bandwidth. Obviously, gig economy by its very nature can have ebbs and flows, but it shows that this person is receiving income, therefore are a safe bet, for exactly. want of a better term, for the lender. What's what's generally the minimum amount of time if I've just started a new business yeah. to get a loan? Yeah, look, great, great question. You know, generally banks want two years worth of ABN. There are a multitude of banks or multiple of banks that will do one year, but believe it or not, there's ones that will do it with a six months ABN as well. Okay. So you've registered for six months. You don't even have to be GST registered. Yeah. Although if you're declaring more than 75 grand, you do need to be. Yeah. Uh, but there are loans available for those borrowers if required. Will they generally require different LVR as well? Yeah, get, yes, absolutely. In the old days, the low doc or specialist lending required a 65% LVR. Yep. We're now seeing lenders up to 80% on a... Uh, you know, is, is almost normal without yeah. mortgage insurance, but some will actually go even higher with mortgage insurance in that specialist space. Just be aware between the owner-occupied properties and investment, though, because they have different rules as well. Generally, owner-occupied, we go up to nine to ninety-five percent if required, okay. but the investment lend is generally up to ninety as a standard rule. So, Craig, a lot of your clients are self-employed. They're coming to you for these options. 
where are they looking to put their hard-earned? Are they looking at investments at the moment? Are they looking at owner pocket? What's the share of market you're seeing? Yeah, look, at the moment, the vanilla, if I can call it that deal for us, is someone looking to refinance their current loan to get a better deal, okay. to raise some equity out of their property, because yes. we've all, any owner, property owners probably got some equity in the in their property now and to use that for a deposit and cost for a new investment property purchase, okay. yes. whether it be residential or commercial. And that's where obviously my good friend, yeah, Steve is able to help them as well. And Steve, you're saying the same, that the investment market is coming back? Yeah, but different markets as well. So like obviously a Sydney cider who's had 30% growth in the last kind of two years in their property uh, generally can't afford another property in Sydney because the price has moved too far. So they're looking at some interstate options as well. Um, and then a lot of first-time buyers actually coming into the market where they're looking at rates at the moment and the rent they're paying saying, it's actually not that different anymore. I want to look at that. So there's a bit of a shift going on at the moment. And a lot of those people are falling into this near-prime specialised space because the parameters have been moved by the traditional lenders. They're, they haven't moved with the changes in society. They've stuck to their original policies, but... The void has been filled with these other lenders you speak of, Craig. And they do. They provide a great bit of competition, which is what we always need in the market. Absolutely. Um, you know, with, uh, I don't know the numbers offhand, but how many are going through what we call specialist or second tier lenders rather yes. than the major banks. Okay. Um, I certainly know that the non-majors are picking up a great share of market at the moment, yeah. um, in addition to our uh, mortgage manager type um, lenders. Yeah, and that's the benefit of sitting down with someone like you. You have the option of showing people what it would look like as a scenario with these lenders, these lenders, and those lenders. Correct. You know, if you walked into your, your transactional banker, they can offer you the products of that bank. Yes. Of course, when I sit down with clients, we go through the banks, yeah. but it might not fit that box, as you rightly said at the beginning. Yeah. And we certainly know we can find a lender to meet their requirements, um, and we will make it fit. Yeah. Mm. Now, Steve, in terms of you mentioned the different markets, what markets are people coming to you and saying, I've heard about X and then you're having to sort of show them what else exists. What are people coming with a preconceived idea of? Yeah, so, so most Sydney siders and people from Melbourne are generally looking at the cheaper markets. Okay. Um, there's some fear around Perth because geographically it's the most isolated city in the world yes. and it's very one-dimensional in terms of resources. Okay. Uh, so the two big ones I'm getting asked about are Brisbane and Adelaide, just because they're a diverse economy and they're tangible um, and you can buy a house for 500000 800000 quite easily at the moment. Yes. And as a result of that, is there uh, activity being funneled the yeah, way of exactly. Brisbane the, and the, Those markets are really hot at the moment as well and it's very hard to secure a deal. You, there's no gone to the days where you get something below market value in quotation marks. Everything is you're paying market rate, if not higher at the moment. Because it wasn't that long ago that we were told by, um, you know, the mainstream media as an example that the investment market was dead. But in your experience, Steve, it, no, it's, it's came back now. It. So so with, with COVID, you had a lot of people sitting on their hands for 12 months waiting for it. Mm. And now that all those people are coming, you've got a year's worth of people. And at the start of the year, people are still worried about Christmas and things like that. So when you get to that kind of March time, now you've got a whole year's worth of people with record low interest rates, yep. all buying into a market and lack of stock. People right. aren't selling because they've got a property that's growing with equity they can pull out. Yeah. So you've just got a, a, a perfect storm coming and it's just really competitive at the moment. 
Craig, you were nodding while Steve was giving yeah, you the answer. Is that your experience absolutely. as well? Absolutely. As you said, people haven't had nothing to do with their money, I guess, over the last 12 months. We certainly haven't been travelling. I've, um, I've, I've also got a theory that people sitting at home when they're working from home, they have that little bit of spare time as well. They're going on the realestate.coms, they're watching videos, listening to podcasts like this and yes. getting themselves educated as well. And there's an incredible fear of missing out, the good old FOMO mm -hmm. at the moment. Yeah. We see more of that than anyone else where everyone's going, my friend, my colleague, the parents at the school have bought another investment property. I want one. Okay. You get you get jealousy as well. You have your friend that owns an investment property and they've seen it grow 20, 30% and they're boasting how they've made a couple hundred grand. You, Like you said, that FOMO kicks in and you start looking as well. But again, make sure you follow the fundamentals. Yeah. Don't just go out and buy something because it doesn't always grow. Correct. And if the you know cash was sitting in your bank account, yes. it would be getting you, what, 0.25 or half a percent credit interest if you're lucky. By borrowing the money at 2 or 2.5 two or 3%, getting a yield of... You know, yield and capital growth are much higher. It, it is obviously a good investment opportunity, but as you rightly said, yeah. get proper financial advice from your all your yeah. necessary advice. Yeah. So, so coming back to how a lot of people are sitting at home researching properties and like that, I've also got a lot of friends that are now starting a side hustle. So they're starting to make 15, 20, 30 grand a year yeah. for self-employed. How does that work with lending when they've got a full-time employee job plus some side hustle going yeah, on? Yeah, look, again, as long as they've got the two-year history, um, that would be a standard no issue with the second job or second form of employment. Um, the only problem we do have is when it is short-term income. Um, something like Airbnb, by the way, yeah. is another one. Sorry to if I've, yeah. if I've answered your question. A lot of Airbnb people want the banks to use that income. The bank's general default policy is as long as you've had it for two years, it can be considered as income. There are some lenders now that will use one year worth of Airbnb income because it, it does fluctuate. In your case, I guess it's similar to in your yeah. case. Will they apply a certain type of shading to that kind yeah. of income that you get because it is Airbnb over a normal investment it's property? It's actually the same, but it's interesting that a lot of during COVID, a lot of lenders dropped their rental shading to 60%. Okay. And most of them have now gone back to pretty much 80. Okay. Still, some are lagging at 75 but generally 80% are okay. as a standard default now. So enough lenders have adjusted to changes in the market, in the return, in the road out of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, yes, uh, I think lenders are, are certainly out there to get business, and I yes. guess that's shown in the turnaround times at the moment. Okay. As we touched on before, you've got some lenders that have 40-day turnaround times. Yeah. Well, the standard settlement period is 42 days, so yes. I'm not sure how those people are going to manage settlement without getting an extended settlement. Yeah. We obviously do not want people ever to be in that situation. Absolutely. So the idea is to make sure they get a pre-approval done prior so when they go to an auction or to attend a property, whether it be a private treaty property, yes. all that needs to be done thereafter is a copy of the contract of sale and the valuation, and then you've got your approval. No more anxiety yep. waiting at 40 days anymore. We get it done prior. So is that part of your process, Craig? I'm a, I'm a victim of FOMO. All around me, people are snapping up these opportunities. I feel left out. I come to you and I say, I want to do this. What do you do then? How do you take me through the Again, process? we sit down with you. We go through all your requirements. We yes. then come up with the options that meet those requirements. Yeah. We act as your advocate in picking which bank and why in terms okay. of the rate, the structure, the pricing, the features, the service levels. Um, and then, yes, we try and get you what we call a fully verified pre-approval, and that's quite important. There's some banks at the moment that will do system-generated approvals. I can get you that in 16 seconds, okay. but it's not worth the paper it's written yeah. on. It's based on what information you've put in the system. No human has verified it. Yes. I'm a big fan of saying, let's get a fully verified pre-approval from a lender or bank, which yep. means it's purely subject to those two things, a copy of the contract and the valuation when found. Then to me, they're ready to go to auction or, or private property mm. purchase um, with little fear. Um, yes. Unless of course the valuation comes in low, 
which obviously is a little bit out of, outside our control and is happening at the moment. We are getting a few valuations coming in low just with the general growth or the quick growth in the property market. Mm. Comparison sales that the valuers are seeing haven't actually picked haven't up yet. Up, haven't right. caught up yet. Yeah. Yeah. And is that what you're seeing, Steve, when people come to you with a computer-generated pre-approval they are somewhat at risk when they when they get into these investment uh, conversations. I, I actually do, again don't consider that a pre-approval. Okay. So unless someone's actually checked the figures, too many times someone hasn't declared that they've got child support payments or something like that. So it all looks well. The other thing you'll you'll probably find, Craig, is people do those online kind of checks yeah. and they go, "Oh, I'm good for one point five million dollars." No, it's those numbers you put in doesn't mean you're going to get the loan. Correct. And I'm a bigger fan of saying, I don't care what the bank will lend you. What can we afford to repay? Yes. So we sit down with the client and say, it's all great that you can get a $4 million loan, but hey, you've got school fees, you've got yeah. other commitments. Um, I don't believe you can afford more than $2 million. And it's having that tough discussion with a client. Okay. Everyone wants to everyone run wants to spend. Everyone wants to spend to their maximum yeah. budget as yeah. well. Like I've got friends doing that. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? You, you you can never go on a holiday again. For the next yeah. 10 years, you are locked into paying mortgage repayments. So how do you dissuade them from going to the hilt? Yeah, look, I, I guess it's one of those old things, having a bit of South African heritage. We've got uh, barbecues in South Africa are called Bryce. Yes. Hopefully you gents have heard that. And the old saying is, it's no point having the best house in the world if you can't afford to have your friends over for a bry. Yeah. Because... You don't have any money. So you've got to pass the bright test. You've got to pass the bright test. Yeah. I was going to say, one of the most common kind of clients I get, especially the self-employed ones, they may be income rich, but what they tell Mr. Taxman isn't obviously the same. What's what's the general rule for those types of clients? Yeah, you can hear me giggling away because that happens all the time. Someone it will does, come to me it? and say, yeah. hey, you know, I earn this, but I don't actually show it. And I said, well, I'm sorry. You know, the tax office and the bank are the same. Yeah. You need to disclose for me what you're showing to the tax office. Otherwise, mm. you know, that's the basis of how we get you a loan. Yeah. So it's having that true picture that you can show a lender so yes. they are making a safe bet on a borrower. Correct. You know, we are obviously bound by by compliance. Yes. Which suggests that we've always got to act in the best interest of the, of the client. Yes. And obviously that we are lending responsibly yeah. in simple terms. So. And that's a, that's, that's a great comfort for people to mm. have when they deal with a broker that they know the broker has to act in their best interest. Yep. Exactly right. You mentioned LODOC before and you mentioned that that was sometimes a solution. What... what um, situations is a low doc appropriate for someone to consider yeah so again often in the case of now we're in well into 2021 yes we're into may already no lender will sorry i should say every lender would require at least your 2020 financials and tax returns mm. a lot of people haven't done them because obviously we know 15th of may is your general cutoff for yes. tax time so they could approach me without 2020s um, the bank will say we won't do it so yeah. we do have those options where they can provide the three or four quarters of bass Okay. The accountant's declaration um, or the bank statements. And yeah. that are generally one of the three will suffice, even at an 80% loan-to-value ratio okay. with an interest rate under 3%. Yeah. So it's it's not unattractive by any means. And how often is that the most appropriate option for borrowers? Are you seeing more of that, less of that? We're seeing more of that as the people are, I suppose, lax on doing their tax. Okay. It's not a case of them not showing the, the sufficient numbers to service a loan because an accountant is verifying it. Yes. And your accountant is not going to verify no, a no, number no, that's no. not right. He's just verifying that you haven't done it, yeah. your return as yet, but these are your history of your tax and you can afford to basically make the repayments. Okay. So what, what's the main difference between a low doc loan and a normal loan? Then? So normal loan is fully verified, two years tax returns, two years personal income and yep. and a company. On a low doc loan, one of those three methods um, to verify. In the old days, it used to be two of the three. 
Now we're down to one. And I'll say them okay. again. Best you know, business activity statements, uh, six months trans or business bank statements, um, or an accountant's verification yeah. to confirm your yeah. income. So three three percent is not it's not a high number it's anymore. So if you're if you're mitigating some tax or minimizing, I should say, yeah. for those accountants at home, um, that's that's actually a solid option. Absolutely right. Especially when property is growing at the level it is currently. So I'm a borrower, I find myself in this near prime or solution-based lending space. What are the tips you give me to ensure that the journey ahead will be successful? What are some of the tips? Yeah, look, banks are now looking, believe it or not, at attitude and oh, your, okay. and your um, uh, you, you know, what are you spending your money on? They're actually looking yeah. at transactional bank statements, your personal statements as well. They want to know that you are spending on the right things, not blowing your money, whether it be on... Um, you know, alcohol or gambling or whatever yeah. it might be. So it's behavior, behavior and attitude okay. has become a big thing for the banks. Um, and of course, with comprehensive credit reporting, they can pick up every um, liability or, or obligation you do have. So what I say to people is keep your nose clean, make sure that certainly for the six months before you apply for a loan, that you are doing the right thing, yes. you are showing a savings pattern. Banks want to see that, you know, if you're renting at three grand a month, but your mortgage is going to be four a month, well, where's that other thousand dollars that you're going to somehow be able yeah, to raise okay. every month. Show me that you've got another month, another thousand dollars a month that you're saving that's going to be help justify making that repayment when the mortgage is in place. So good behavior, good savings pattern, and obviously no no mispayments on any of other credit cards um, or liabilities. They're, so they're living your life as if you've got the loan now before you actually apply for the loan. Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I had last year, one of my clients got questioned why he had two Netflix accounts when he was single, yeah. which I just find ridiculous. It's $12, $13 yeah, a month yeah. and they're picking on that. So Steve, I will say that that has loosened up a little bit. Okay. It did get to a ridiculous stage where banks were looking at every line item. Why have you gone to McDonald's and KFC on the same day? That's exactly Why right. did you buy a kid's, a kid's meal when <laughs> you're a single adult man? But, but now it's changed. Um, to some extent, some lenders don't even require transactional bank statements, but they are going to pick up your liabilities on, on your comprehensive credit report. So I say to anyone looking to apply, don't hold anything back. Um, the banks and, and have the reporting system that, that will pick up any liability you have. Mm. And, and they, sh they, they talk about that as a non-disclosure. So if you don't disclose it, hoping they won't find it, they actually have rights to decline the loan on the basis of non-disclosure. So my view is declare everything you've got. You know, put yourself with the best foot forward, and get yourself as best possible chance to get the loan. So borrowers really need to see this application as a, or as an audition. They're auditioning to get the money. They've got to put themselves in, forward in the best possible light and make sure that their conduct doesn't raise any red flags, doesn't raise any questions that they can't answer, and is really encouraging the lender to approve the deal absolutely banks want to lend money that's how they you know make their money they're not in the game of selling your property because you're in default and and liquidating you and, and your property or bankrupting you they want to keep the property there the loan outstanding and they've got money to 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 lend yes um so yes it's putting yourself in the best position that allows all banks to to want to lend you money and that and you know you're in a good position and so are they now people say in life patience is a virtue in lending does that ring true for a borrower? At the moment, yes. Okay. But FOMO is kicking in, and I don't think anyone's getting that at the moment, especially yeah. at the bank turnaround times. Um, I, I believe in absolutely patience. Go slow. It's probably the biggest investment or investments you're going to make in your lifetime. But at the moment, people just need to be a little bit patient because okay. there's just a glut of applications in, yes. and banks are quite clearly behind. Glut of applications, increased activity. People feel like if they don't act now, they're missing out. In the investment space, um, Steve, 
what advice are you giving to people as they navigate this journey in terms of patience? Yep. So exactly what Craig said is just slow down. You're, you're buying a property, you should be having the mindset of 10, 15, 20 years. Getting a loan a month or two later is not going to harm your thing. You're yes. going to feel like you're missing out a lot, but if you're buying a property for today's prices to make money in a month's time, property investing is not for you. You should be looking at the okay, stock market and those highly volatile ones. This is a long-term investment, so yeah. treat it that way. Excellent, excellent. So we've talked a lot about the reality of a borrower now. We've talked about the reality of the market. Once I've got my loan established, Craig, and I and I fit into this near prime or specialist lending space, what advice do you get, give to people to, when they're maintaining the conduct of their loan? How do they make sure that they're on the path forward rather than regressing? Yeah, and, and look, as you rightly say, paying your mortgage repayment is obviously the first step, never yeah. miss a payment. But the idea really in that non near prime or specialist space is after six or 12 months, when you have done your financials, we can look at obviously refinancing them to a more prime product, okay. which might have a low two number rather than a high two. Okay. So it is in their interest to try and get their affairs in order as quickly as possible mm. uh, to enable them to obviously take... Uh, benefit of a cheaper loan. And is that a process you and your team at Kane Financial absolutely. help clients Thanks, with? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, probably 50% of our work is refinanced. Really? Where it used to traditionally be 70% purchase, 30% yes. refinance. Okay. The refinance market is very active. Rates are at their lowest level in history. Yes. Um, and lenders are all competing against each other with sensational rates. A lot of lenders as well have got these cash rebates. Mm. where they are providing up to $4,000 uh, to a borrower to move their loan to the new lender. Yeah. Our first point of call is always to go back to the, the existing lender yeah. to give them an option of retaining the business. And it's amazing how often they won't give best price or best rate until they get a discharge authority. Yeah. Yeah. The discharge authority hits their desk 15 days later and then they jump into, you know, a, a retention control. But by then the client's had it. You know, he's had yeah. to do all the paperwork, sign the loan docs yeah. at the new bank and he's basically saying, Mr. Bank, you had your chance. Yep. Yes. I've, I've, I've done that personally many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any other options besides low doc? Like this term no doc gets thrown yeah. around. Is there any other Ooh, options there? No doc is traditionally these days for non-regulated or business lending. It is available. Uh, loans generally have to be in a business name. You're going to get between 65 to 70% of a loan to value ratio. Um, and it is a good, it's a, exactly as you said, no documentation. Um, but again, traditionally for business type lending yep. um, and non, non-consumer crowd. What are generally interest rates with something like that? Five and a half to 6% as a start. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And are you seeing a little bit of that in your space, Steve, from a commercial property point of view? People utilising, I understand, that lease stock option where all you need is the lease and, yep. that, and yep. it's a deal? Yeah, so I'd say the majority of the commercial loans are coming through that at the moment because a lot of investors are at their kind of serviceability limit for the residential lending. So then they're looking at other options to get into the commercial space and lease stock gives a way to increase the serviceability. And yeah. is that an increasing market? In yeah, the just, just the commercial market in general is increasing as well. Like if I mentioned commercial property to someone five years ago, they just kind of shoo me away. Now everyone's getting educated. I'm getting heaps of inquiries every week, 20, 30 inquiries a week about commercial. What What's the trigger for that? What's changed? Low, low yields, I think, in the residential market. Mm. And people are looking for their guaranteed return. Uh, Diversification is another one. Um, and the other one is just cash flow. People are actually looking that they might not like their five-day-a-week job and they want to go down to three days a week and buying a million-dollar commercial and have a $50,000 passive income from the get-go is, is yeah. quite attractive to retirement. So a commercial property investor becomes that side hustle that we talked about yeah, before. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. 
Craig, you were nodding there. Have you seen yeah, a little yeah, bit of that trend? Yeah, we see a lot more people going into commercial now as well. Yeah. Um, again, we're able to get loan-to-value ratios up to 75%, where traditionally 65% was the maximum. There are some lenders that will even go to 80, touch on an 80 yeah. on commercial. So the loan-to-values have improved. Their rates as low as 2.19. Even actually I saw 194 the other day on a, a three-year fixed commercial oh, wow. loan yeah. um, at the moment. So the rates are still good, but those are full doc, just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. They're not just traditional lease stock yeah. or, or, yeah. So it's where the rate matches the risk is Absolutely what you're talking right. about. And, and if I can mention that, it's quite interesting how often I get someone saying to me, I saw a rate on TV of X. Mm. And I say to them, it's not about the rate. At the moment, it's about who will give you the loan in the time that you need the loan. It's no yes. point getting a lo getting the cheapest rate if that lender doesn't give you the loan in the first place. So let's focus on getting the loan done with a lender that will actually give you the loan in the right time period yes. and the rate will be appropriate for that. Some some people split hairs as well. They'll, they'll whinge about 2.4 over 2.55 and they work out the cost at the end of the year and it's nothing. It's, it's not worth the stress of the purchase. Exactly right. That extra little bit, if you were to refinance and move them, um, the discharge costs and government registration fees is more than what they're saving on the change. Yep. And we've got to be very clear that when we actually do refinances that we actually show that there is value yes. in the client doing it. Otherwise, I won't, I won't do it for them. And that, that's why using a good broker is important as well because they'll assess your strategy and talk you through the next two, three years, not just the next six months of getting a loan. Again, you've nailed that. You know, our job is all about the future. I want to be part of your journey forever, especially mm. with someone like Steve who's helping people create wealth. It's not just doing your first own occupied home, but it's making sure that we're with you for that journey of wealth creation through five, seven, 12 properties, whether it be residential. But you, you'll always need your broker. Even if your strategy is I'm just going to buy my family home and that's going to be it, I'm going to pay it off the next 30 years, you should still be talking to your broker the whole way through that process. The reality is your existing bank's never going to phone you if an alternative bank has a better product. No. And that's what we do as a vanilla. Every, every day we're making phone calls. And it's amazing how many people with all the, you know, you can go and be in the car these days, you'll get five or six mortgage adverts yes. within one car trip. So it's, it's out there. But if people aren't listening out for it or conscious of it, they're probably not hearing them. I yeah. everyone. Yeah. But there is such a lot of savings to be made by being a little bit more proactive on your mortgage. And, and looking at it then more than just rate. It's the right money in the right place at the right time. It's making sure the money's working for you, not that you've got a, a, a low number that does nothing for you long term. Again, great. You know, we work very closely with financial planners and accountants. Okay. So I often have people coming to me in their 30s and 40s that their sole purpose is to pay off their mortgage and then do nothing. Yes. And while that sounds great, I get it. Why would they not consider leverage some equity out of that property to do some more investing with Steve? Yeah. Um, you know, why wouldn't you pay two or three percent to you know get growth of five, six, eight, ten percent yeah. a year? Um, but again, subject to the accountant and obviously financial planner. And having those options laid out for them is is such an advantage. And too often people just don't have the conversation to obtain the option. Well, that's when they traditionally go directly to a bank. That's what happens okay. because that's the bank job to, to fulfill the mortgage. Yeah. Um, it's our obligation to ask the questions around things like protection. Are you covered in the unlikely or unfortunate event that you have an illness? And would you like an inquiry or referral to someone whether it be a specialist accountant, buyer's agent, um, uh, financial planner, et cetera, who can yeah. help you with other aspects of your of your journey. Absolutely. It's a team sport. Absolutely. Setting your finances up in, is a team sport. So having the right elements of your team in action is the key. Exactly. Trust the team around you. That's what we talk about all the, all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked about uh, the market being competitive. We've talked about... There being activity, there is a lot of activity there. And the underlying message you want to give to people is get your options and be patient. 
Is that a fair summation? Absolutely right. Just be prepared, you know, get your affairs in order. Yes. Um, while you're doing that, um, start considering the market as to what is around there for you, but get in touch with your broker or bank as early in the piece as possible so that if you do find something and someone like Steve presents you an option, you're ready to go without concerning yourself that you're going to exchange a contract without finance in place. Things, as Steve said, are going quickly. So, you know, you want to be prepared. This is all about preparation. Mm. Steve, would you agree with that? I do, but also think long-term. A lot of people think, I've got to get in the market now, I've got to buy something. But what's the plan after you've bought that property? Is it sit on your hands for five years? Are you going to look at refinance if you do get some growth? Um, so have a chat with your broker about that because that will sometimes select your lender as well, I imagine. Absolutely right. It's actually intriguing how often I get people coming to me looking at development. So they want to buy a piece of land, put it on two townhouses, and then sell it within six months or eight months. Mm -hmm. And they don't really know why they want to do it. It's just been that they've been told their friend did that. Yep. And everyone wants to be a developer these days, yeah. you know, without any experience. So again, my advice is before you take on any of that, there's a lot to think about before you do these developments. Make sure you do talk to someone who's that experience yes. and certainly with a bank or broker and your advisors to make sure you're actually in that position. We don't, we don't want you bankrupt over trying to put a development together. Absolutely not. Know your options. Know what's available to you and know how to navigate what's ahead. Absolutely. So as always here on the uh, property experience, it's all about surrounding you with the smartest people we have. And one of those smart people who joined us today was Craig Foreman. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Zaka. Steve, thank you very much for your insight today and being a great co-host today. Thanks, Zaka. And tune in next time for our next edition. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the property experience. Stay tuned for more great content.